Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And welcome to episode 115 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week with Matt. Hi, David. How are you? I'm all right. How are you, Matt? I'm okay. I'm a little bit tired. I had to get up slightly earlier today, but uh, apart from that, I am doing good. <laughs> Brilliant. Good. So what have you been up to? What things have you been watching? Well, a couple of weeks ago, there was some news that there was a Dishonored 2 trial on the PlayStation Store. And oh, I downloaded yeah. it and then didn't really think much because I was, I can't remember what it was, but at the time I, I like had it downloaded, but I was playing something else. I can't remember exactly what it was, which doesn't speak well for whatever game that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I went and finished off, I think it was The Witcher, the uh, Blood and Wine thing, but that yes. was on the Xbox. Yeah. So I went from the PlayStation game to The Witcher and then I finished that and thought, okay i'm sure i've got some other games that i have stored away or whatever to play uh so i went and played the dishonor 2 trial when i first played this first kind of five minutes i didn't really like the art style but then i kind of got used to that and um as i started to play more of it i started to thought okay i must be enjoying this because like i'm continuing to play it yeah uh when it's a trial thing it lets you play up to mission three i think on the trial right uh decided i liked it and then i was a bit disappointed when the trial ended because i wanted to keep going <laughs> uh so i then went and went on my uh boomerang uh game rental subscription thing that i have and uh put dishonored one and two which was the definitive edition Right. The first one, put those yeah. in my list and then waited for those to get delivered. Uh, the second one actually came first and then the first that's, one came that's after annoying. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked the game a lot. Um, it was it was a bit different to what I was expecting in a good way. Uh, in, in I didn't know it was one of them sort of two-handed games where you have like a sword in one hand and a kind of secondary thing in the other hand. Yeah. It can be Blink or it can be the crossbow, which I really liked, or it can be the... Uh, shotgun i think it's a shotgun yes um so i quite like that mechanic quite a bit and uh, i thought the blink ability was really good yeah um and then i just kept going through the story of dishonored one and yeah i'm still playing it now so i think it's pretty good good have have you played it yes played all the way through dishonored one i was actually playing dishonored two up until quite recently and then we had a a conversation on chat about uh, skyrim yeah yeah, which sort of had me hankering for going after uh, back to Skyrim because I hadn't played that for a while, and it's the Bethesda game that I never actually quite got around to finishing. So okay. I'm I'm trying to sort of start again. I actually had a copy of the special edition which I hadn't actually tried, which has all the DLC in it. 
So uh, I booted that mm. back up and put a bunch of mods on because I'm playing on PC. So <laughs> uh, so sort of muddied it up. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm playing through Skyrim at the moment, which I'm quite enjoying. Cool. Yeah, I think that was maybe the because I had three games on me at once because one of them was a bonus game. I think Skyrim was the other thing I played while I was waiting for Dishonored. Right. I think yeah. that's the one I was, I was playing. Um, yeah, I had the definitive edition, which like like you were saying to me at the time because we were talking about it. And I said, oh, it doesn't look quite as good. Um, and you were saying, yeah, because of the, like, the mods on PC, you can make it look better and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of decided to stop playing it. I just wasn't enjoying it at all. Right. And the plot wasn't really growing me. And it just is a bit of a difficulty going back to old games because they just don't look or play as good as you know these new kind of modern games yeah. um so yeah that's that's kind of where i went with skyrim i i'm enjoying it and as i say the pc version is quite good because you can you can really mess around with the graphics quite a lot and improve it quite a bit you know even sort of improving facial things and you know all that sort of stuff i mean it's still not quite up to the level of of newer games but it gets mm. it's getting a lot closer so uh, uh and the, there's so much stuff to do in that game i mean it's in the same way of like fallout 4 and that sort of stuff yeah um, so. i mean with um with the sonnet this it it looks like in between skyrim and sort of modern games but because it, it's got a little bit of yeah. like animation cartoony type thing yeah it doesn't hurt it as much because you've yeah. got a bit of that in there and that does give it a little bit of sort of more color and stuff so uh i think yeah. that's how that worked better yes there, there was a character that died at the start of dishonored 2 i can't remember who exactly it was because i i was i didn't quite know what was going on in the story because i hadn't played the first one right so it'd be good to go through the first one again um, yes but again you know the trial was there so i just played that yeah injustice 2 is another thing i've been playing i've actually finished it because it's it's very very short right um and I don't want to give away too much. I'll just tell you kind of what the plot is because the story is so short that if I start talking about it, it will spoil too much of it. Yeah. Basically, the plot is that they're going after Brainiac and it turns into a little bit of a Batman v Superman kind of thing. It's a little bit like if Batman v Superman was a bit more Civil War style in terms of like right. who's going on whose side and that kind of thing. And as you're playing through the game, you kind of just think, if you guys stopped arguing for five minutes and dealt with Brainiac, he might not destroy Atlantis <laughs> and Gotham and Metropolis and all these other places. Because, you know, Batman's got his way of doing things, Superman's got his way of doing things, and then they kind of, you know, characters argue about that, and then they decide which side they're on. So there's a little bit of that comic booky kind of, obviously it's a comic yeah. book storyline kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I've not really been a brawler gamer type, you know, the... the um, side-by-side -side, um, fighting game type person. I've not mm. really played those. And in terms of the combos, I was sort of looking at the list of them and I was like, okay, I'm not going to remember any of these. Like I've read, I've looked at 15 different combos. I'm not going to remember them all. So I'll just try and hit a few buttons here and there without trying to like bash them. Button mash. Button mash too yeah. much. Um, like the, I sort of put two or three of them in my brain and then tried to do some basic hits along with that. And I got along fairly well. So I'm sort of the same as you. I I mean, I might get it at some point, but I'm probably going to wait until it, it drops in price quite considerably because the you know if you buy it on console and it's very it's a very kind of console game that sort of thing because it, oh, it's yeah. a, effectively it's a beat em up it's a side yeah. yeah by side beat em up i know you're saying there is a story to it but mm. I, I and mean, it's dc it, so that's the reason i, I yeah, got it 
So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's really designed for you to sit down and play with friends and that sort of stuff, I think, mm. more than anything else. So I'm I'm not hugely into those sort of games, although this does seem to be a very good example of it. I'm probably not going to pick it up until much later. What, what I would say as well, if you're not into, if you're not a gamer, you're more of a TV or, or film person, which is still the reason you'd listen to this podcast, um, maybe like watch the like the cutscenes on YouTube or something, because what that basically does is cut out fights and lets you watch it as like a kind of lengthy film, yeah. sort of, like a CG superhero film of yeah, sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that you don't miss out on the entire story. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's, there's, I think there's three different endings or two different endings, right. and then you can just pick the video of whichever one you want. They're, they're on YouTube, so you can maybe go and check those out. Yeah. I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I can't remember if we did actually speak about this, if I spoke to you about it. I can't remember. I don't remember. remember speaking to you about no, it no, on no. Geek Town. So. No. Um, me and Chris did a podcast for that. Yeah, I thought it was, it, it was a little bit more distant in my memory because it was a few weeks ago, but it was pretty good. It sets up you know, some good MCU things. Uh, Baby Groot's obviously a big feature in the film. Um, he takes up some screen time with Rocky yes. Raccoon. Arguably too I, much, arguably too much of a feature in that film, possibly. Maybe. Me and Chris had a, um, like a healthy kind of disagreement on that. Um, <laughs> he, he, he kind of agreed with you, whereas I um, quite like the two of them on yeah. screen together. Um, especially his scene, there's their scenes with um, Mondu, is it? Yeah. Michael Rooker's character. Yes. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, a great sort of fun family Marvel film. So yeah. it was pretty good. Masters of None season two, I watched and finished because it's pretty short. You know, you got you got 10 episodes in a half an hour. Yeah. It, it doesn't take that long to get through, uh, which I also reviewed as well. Um, have you seen any of this? I, I uh, I, no, it's not one I've got to yet. I know people keep on telling me it's quite good, but it's not one I've got to yet. I watched it in like three days, two or three days. Yeah. But I sort of sat there and you know, watched four of them in a row sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great season. It was had some nice different things. It's kind of got more of the same of the good stuff. And then they do kind of change the storyline up a bit, mainly because one of the characters goes to a different country. So there's like... Um, right, yeah. Uh, the first episode is in black and white. Um, and that gives an interesting kind of look and feel to it. Um, and then he spends some time with, with his friend called Arnold, the character called uh, Dev, who's the main character. Um, I think it was it Ross who was on this a couple of weeks ago said about Dev's uh, yeah the parents, parents being yeah the actor's actual parents yes I found that pretty interesting and I could, I didn't really I wasn't paying too much attention to the the parents in the in the series but uh, I thought that was really really interesting yeah it's um it's a bit like with the young Sheldon thing how you've got Sheldon's current mum in Big Bang her yeah daughter, Laurie, Laurie Metcalf's daughter yeah. plays the younger version of Sheldon's mum in Young Sheldon yeah so like a passing kind of passing <laughs> of the thought sort yes of. and she does a scarily good job at it as well <laughs> uh, see so yeah, I, thought, I thought that was a great seri- uh, season this year yeah. and yeah it, it does go just in different places to season one so it's not too repetitive but yeah has some of the good same stuff uh, also watched Sense8 season two which I don't know if the second season was as good as the first it took a little while to get going the idea of the series is like these people connect um is it telepathically yeah yes yeah they they connect that way and it really helps with the series but with the first kind of six seven episodes they don't do that as effectively as what they could and it just sort of puts the plot sort of to one side and it's a bit sort of weird in the way that they do that yeah but then once sort of episode seven or eight came around and it sort of clicked into place a bit more um it worked a lot better so but it had a nice kind of cliffhanger 
finish. So I thought Good. it was it was interesting. Um, it's probably going to get a third season. I, I would be surprised if it didn't. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And it did take his time to come back, didn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got that Christmas it, special sort of in between yeah, as well. but Which was two hours long. So yes. <laughs> some, uh, some good stuff there. I watched the first season. I've watched the Christmas special. I haven't got to the second season yet. It is on my okay. list of things that I will get to. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been up to. Well, I've also been hanging around on Netflix because mm-hmm. I've been trying... <laughs> yes, good place to be. I've been trying to catch up on Once Upon a Time because I was about three episodes into the current season that's just finished and I, I left it for ages. So now things have calmed down a little bit on on kind of normal TV. I've gone mm-hmm. back to that uh, just sort of as my as my backup show. So when there's nothing else on, that's what I go and watch. <laughs> So I'm I'm working through, I think I'm about on episode 10 now, so I've managed to get through a few more episodes. So I'm catching up gradually on that. I sort of want to see where they they end up. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. It's okay. It's sort of good background TV. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, what, six seasons in now. So it's one of those things that I want to see how this whole storyline ends because, as we've spoken before, they have got a seventh season coming. But mm. they they basically yeah. sacked most of the cast, so mm. I'm want to see how this story ends and where it ends up. And it, it's fine; it's it's good kind of fun background TV. But I'm I'm not kind of I, I'm if something else comes along and it gets too busy. Uh, I'm probably going to end up dropping that again, and I'll go back to it later on. <laughs> uh, how many how many seasons is there? Seven. There's six six already. They've just been ordered for a seventh. Which okay, is so this one? The seventh is the one with the big changes. Yeah, seventh is going to have big changes. So that I've been watching American Gods uh, onto episode. Oh, yeah, I've got to put that on my list. Three now yeah. as well, which is quite good. I like that. It's getting progressively stranger as we get into further mm. episodes, which I'm quite enjoying. Not quite to the Legion level of strange, but it is sort of heading there, you know. So. So I think yeah. that's quite good. If I'm comparing Legion and Legion and American Gods, Legion was a bit more annoyingly strange. <laughs> where like it's sort of bending reality and, yeah, and yeah. whatnot. Whereas this feels a lot more grounded. Yeah. Um, a bit more sort of like preacher kind of. Yes, yes. Where, where it's weird in a preacher a, way. Yes, I think that's yeah, fair. Where you can have a bit of a better sense of, of what's going on. Yeah. So yeah. I know what you yeah. mean. Um and other than that. After all the upfronts finished last week, they released a whole load of trailers for yes, various things. So they, they're so just saying before we came on air, you spent about an hour and a half going through trailers. Um, so there's there's a lot. They're all up on the website if you want to go and have a look for CW and Fox and ABC. We've got trailers and CBS as well. There are trailers up there for. Out of all the shows that have been up, I mean, there's, there's some interesting announcements. Uh, Black Lightning, which we've now seen a bit more of. Uh, Mm -hmm. Announcement for that was the fact that they're not going to put it as part of the Arrowverse. It's which I I mean I I don't see that decision lasting more than one season. In all honesty, no. no. I think it's a bit of like an experimental step because uh, they they sort of done the same thing with Supergirl. Yeah. Because um, if you look at the four of them that they got at the moment, Legends is probably the most off on its own because they're literally like just yeah. time traveling all over the place. Whereas Supergirl is like in one consecutive storyline, but it isn't on uh, the same Earth as yeah. Barry and Oliver. 
I think the thing with Black Lightning is they've they basically said it's not part of the Arrowverse because of the fact that it's shot in Atlanta. It's not shot in Vancouver with everything else. Okay. Uh, so that's part of the reason for it. Why it's not why they're saying well it's not directly connected. So you're not going to see a five way crossover. I think yes, I get that. I think that's fair enough. But I also think it's a bit of a mistake. What I would have said if in in their shoes would be you won't see a five-way crossover but it is part of the same universe even if they don't you don't see them as part of the same universe even if you never see the characters cross over yeah at least then you can you can establish it as part of the same thing so i don't know we'll we'll see but uh unless i mean unless there's anything that they do in black lightning which should particularly have them set apart i i don't see any reason why they wouldn't be part of the same universe going forward even though at the moment they're saying they're not going to be but I, I quite like the look of that i had a slight issue with his, his suit his suit's incredibly chunky yeah it's a bit like avatars maybe not quite yeah. as big as avatars but yeah but it is i was expecting it to be a lot sleeker than it was and it isn't it's very chunky your suit on that mm. so is it because of his um body type quite possibly like yeah a bit more of like a luke cage and like a slim, slim yeah. sort of oliver or, or, or barry kind of thing yeah so maybe i don't know um hopefully they maybe do something about that going forward but uh yeah i i, I did think his suit looked incredibly chunky on that so that I'm quite looking forward to out of the trailers. In humans, we've only had a very small glimpse of the Inhumans trailer so far, which was basically a voiceover, and we've seen a publicity shot. But I do like the look of that. The Gifted, I quite like the look of, which is the X-Men spin-off. Yeah, that's one that's got potential if Fox does it right. I yeah. can I can see it going both ways where Fox messes it up, and I can see where Fox <laughs> gets it right. Yeah. Fox are a very odd company. They get some things wrong and they just get some things um, right as well. Yeah, yeah. They make either really good decisions or really bad decisions. <laughs> so, yes, there's very little middle ground yeah. with them. Or, or some puzzling decisions as well. Yes, so. yeah. I mean, The Gifted, the thing that has it has going for it is they are tying it to the X-Men more so than something like Legion was tied to the X-Men. And mm. they do actually reference X-Men in the trailer. And they also have Brian Singer on board, who is the guy behind the x-men movies the earlier x-men movies so he's on board as well and directing and i think he's producing so i i think you know it's it looks like it's going in the right direction i think that plus it's got amy acker in it and you know i'm predisposed to liking anything with amy acker in it so <laughs> and uh stephen moyer stephen moyer's from true blood is is the other adult lead in that so you know i and i like both those actors so that should okay. be really good I've, I've seen someone online that said uh you know the the blonde girl in this in this trailer that she looks yes. uh, she sort of got vibes of claire from heroes like a younger <laughs> claire from heroes sort of season one yeah um interesting Yes. Yeah. Well, she's, young, she's, she's young and blonde, but yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that looked quite good. Krypton, which we saw the trailer a while back for, I, I think has potential as well. Out of the new stuff, The Orville, which is Seth MacFarlane's new kind of comedy Galaxy Quest slash like Star Trek series. I quite like the look of. And, and this show kind of lives or dies on whether you find Seth MacFarlane funny, really, I guess. Um, you know, he's the guy the man beyond family guy and american dad and that sort of stuff mm. i i know you've said you're not overly sold on this yet yeah it looks like a if you take star trek 
make it a comedy but sort of not as good i don't know i just didn't so some of the jokes that seth and character made were okay i don't know something about the series just feels a bit sort of off and and weird i definitely will be watching it i f- love family guy i think it's very funny but as i say this sort of lives or dies on whether you like seth mcfarlane or not um because yeah. it's going to be very much his sense of humor it does look very much like the movie galaxy quest or or you know a a spoof of star trek so i don't know uh we'll, we'll see how it fares with the uh, with the populace but i do quite like the look of this i think i think it's interesting for the u.s to be doing comedy sci-fi because it's not really an area they've done before you know not on tv terms anyway not particularly not that i remember so i quite like the look of that there's also of course the new star trek discovery series which we've now had a trailer for which looks quite good i think i'm quite looking forward to that okay i, d- I didn't notice it was a trailer that came up for that one that was okay, one, the only yes. one that i missed oh that that's um, up on the website as well but yes yeah. there is a trailer for that that looks did, quite interesting i did see a picture of um i'll just say sasha yeah um, <laughs> sasha with in a in a star trek uniform yes which looked, yeah. which looked okay yeah the uniforms are quite good they're uh, they're kind of a cross between the star trek enterprise uniforms and the kind of you know a more modern kind of standard mm. you know next generation uniform which i think is quite interesting there was a couple of interesting shows which are on cbs there's a show called the good doctor which i thought looked quite interesting which is from house's david shaw starring freddie highmore from bates motel that looked quite interesting <laughs> I've, wrote, I've written down because obviously my notes are a bit shorter than yours i wrote down the good Do- the, the good doctor yes <laughs> <laughs> um, um is that was that the one with the special boy? He's sort of yeah. able to, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's I, a, I like that one. That yeah, he's, he's a, a sort of high-functioning autistic boy who moves to a large hospital in sort of a, an attempt to mm. expand his skills, essentially. Uh, but yeah. he's kind of fairly socially unaware, so... Mm. To be clear, when I say special, I mean he's like what seems like he might have these sort of powers kind yes, of. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, so, he's it's yeah. not it's yeah he he's basically a very high functioning but has problems relating to other people. It looks like it's could be quite interesting. It's got Richard Schiff in it from uh, the West Wing as well, which is always good as far as I'm concerned. So okay. <laughs> so that looks. I'm not, good. I'm not really a Doctor's TV type person so this is uh it's yeah. a bit more of a different kind of spin on it it's not something like a casualty or whole bc that's your sort of standard yeah. hospital show looks um, kind of interesting and different that yeah one. there's a show called instinct which hasn't had a trailer yet but that sounded quite good that's the one that stars alan cumming that looked like it could be quite good where he's a he's a college lecturer who's also ex-cia and gets kind of dragged back into the cia that that sounds like it could be quite good but there's no trailer for that yet and Wisdom of Crowd of the Crowds, which looked really interesting. That's Jeremy Piven's new show uh, about a guy that creates an, an app that is designed to help basically solve the murder of his daughter. He's a sort of tech genius, designs this app and then puts a massive reward up for anybody that can give him information about the murder of his daughter. But as a byproduct of that, it starts picking up information about other crimes as well so you've got this nice kind of overarching thing about him trying to catch his his daughter's murderer but on top of that you've got a kind of week by week them solving crimes using this 
this app. But the trailer mm. for that is really interesting. I thought that could that's got a lot of potential for being a, a quite a good procedural weekly show. I thought. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what, which one was that called again? Sorry. Uh, Wisdom of Crowds. That's called. So yeah, uh, there's there's some amazing stuff though. There's some really interesting different new shows. There's a lot of military dramas. Was there any that particularly stood out to you? Uh, the CW uh, military drama. Um, is oh, it Valor. 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 Yeah. I thought, I thought that looked quite good because I've been looking for a sort of army kind of sort of TV series drama. So I can't find that many around there apart from something like Strike Back, which is uh, a little bit more in that sort of world. Yeah. So apart from something like, I know it's a bit different, but something like 24 is sort of like that, but you know, is um, slightly different. So yeah, that could be one to look for. Yeah, that looked quite good. On the CW side as well, I thought Life Sentence was, the trailer for that is infinitely better than the description described it as well because the description's the thing about the, that's the one stars Lucy Hale about a girl who's diagnosed with terminal cancer and then discovers she doesn't have uh, or discovers she's cured and the description says she has to learn to live with the choices she's made while she was living like she was dying but mm. if you actually watch the trailer it, it it's not really that a lot of the trailer is focused around the fact that it's a change in how her family and friends treat her now she's not dying because when she was dying it was kind of they're all trying to keep her calm and make you know and make everything happy and kind of fluffy for her whereas now that's not the case it sort of changes her relationship with her family and her husband and the trailer for that is an infinitely better the the description made out it it was going to be and actually looks all right that so we'll see but it yeah I mean, obviously, we've got to see where any of these guys picked up over here as well, because there's no guarantee yeah. they all will do. So one of the other ones I quite liked, I can't remember which network this was on, but uh, splitting up together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've uh, in my short notes, I've got Pam from the office with the nasty guy from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's yeah. true. So uh, there, yeah, that was um, I can't remember whether that was a CBS comedy or I can't remember which network that was on. But yeah, ABC maybe. Oh yeah, no, it's an ABC Real? one. Yeah. You're right, it's an ABC comedy. That um, yeah, I I thought that was yeah, didn't really grab me that one. But you know, I think you know that's the thing with comedies they they can hit very hard with some people and they're not with others. Uh, I thought Deception looked quite good, which is an ABC show. That's a Greg Belanti show about the magician that joins the FBI, I think it is. Helps the FBI solve cases. Okay. I I didn't um I didn't not like the look of it, but it just it didn't quite grab me. Yeah. So, so I've um, put Deception, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looked it looked fine. Like if you if you like magician type things, I'm sure that would be that'd be pretty good. Yeah. I, I thought that looked quite fun. So but We'll see. I mean, lots of stuff out there to mm. uh, to come. I've written down uh, Ghosted and then put Fox, please stop it and make more 24. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ghosted yeah. Ghosted was, it was sort of, it's kind of like a comedy version of the X-Files, mm. but it, it doesn't work at all. No. Um, I, I really didn't like that at all. Yeah. Um, so after watching the Orville and then watching Ghosted, I was like, no, stop it. <laughs> yeah. In total, there've been seventy-one renewals, thirty-three cancellations, wow. and uh, thirty-nine new shows. So there's actually more renewals this year than last year. Last year I had sixty-six renewals, thirty-six cancellations, and forty-two new shows. So less new shows, more renewals, and less cancellations. 
So yeah, not quite as many new shows as last year. I mean, they're, they're close, but not, not that much. NBC did a lot better this year. They cancelled 10 shows last year. They only cancelled four this year. So. <laughs> yeah. Interesting little tidbit came up about Timeless as well. Because last night, Sean Ryan, who's one of the two people that make Timeless, as we were talking about last week, uh, got cancelled and then came back again within about the space of two days. Mm. Uh, one of the things with that, he uh, Sean Ryan did a Reddit Ask Me Anything thread where people post questions and he answers. Uh, he did that last night. And... Uh, somebody asked him about how important international viewing stats are when it's considered free renewal. And he came back and said, uh, it's vital for our renewal. Foreign revenue has become a bigger and bigger factor in renewals than American TV shows in recent years, which is definitely something that we'd identified as, as being a thing. And this is why we say, do not illegally stream stuff. Go and watch it when it's bought by a network. You know, when it's bought by a mm. channel in the UK, make sure you go and watch it. Because although the numbers of pe- the number of people watching over here doesn't directly add on to the viewing figures in the US, what it does is the more people watch it here, the more chance a UK channel has of buying a show. And if a UK channel buys a show, that gives more money to the US network, which makes it more likely to get renewed because they make more money out of it. Yeah. So it's important. It's important that you watch these things on legitimate sources and not like going to stream them from various dodgy websites. So you can now influence and make a difference by by doing that because previously they'd not really considered the international viewing as much, but now it's starting to become a major factor in whether a show gets renewed or not. Is is where people are viewing it internationally makes a difference now. So it's, it, that is worth considering when you're going to find a dodgy website to go and stream the latest episode of something. So unless you've got anything else you want to put in, I think we're done for those bits and pieces. We can move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> Start off the TV and film news this week with a few renewals and cancellations that came in after last week's show. Last Man Standing got cancelled, which is the Tim Allen show. A lot of people are saying it's probably because of the fact that he was a strong supporter of Trump and it's fairly politically conservative, that show. They're saying it's for business and scheduling reasons and the fact that it's made by 20th Century TV. Uh, so it's Fox that actually make it. Um, but it airs on ABC. ABC are adamantly denying that they've cancelled it because of, of his politics, but I, I'm i not entirely convinced. I know Tim Allen has made noises about the fact that you have to be careful what you say in LA uh, if you're a Republican supporter. <laughs> so tricky. Um Quantico got renewed, but he's going to get a new showrunner, apparently. What's been very interesting this season is, as we were saying with uh, foreign viewing, we're seeing that like purely US viewing figures are no longer being kind of the one big major factor of whether a show gets cancelled or renewed. There's now a whole bunch of things that are kind of jigsawing together into the renewal process and some of that's um foreign investment from you know people buying the show overseas some of that's the resale value of something to streaming services and things like netflix and hulu as well as the domestic viewing figures but like shows like quantico and elementary which got renewed as well this season both have fairly low US viewing figures, yeah, but still manage to get renewals due to the fact that they either sell well abroad or they sell well 
onto streaming services. You know, there, there's been various other things that are starting to factor in, which I, th- I think is quite good. Um, also, not coming back this season, but not necessarily cancelled, 24 Legacy and Prison Break, which they've said are not coming back right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what they've they basically said is that uh, with Prison Break, they're looking to try to make it a, a, an event thing every time they bring it back so it won't be coming back every season but they're not ruling out bringing it back at some point in the future 24 legacy um slightly different issue with that yes it's they're also talking about wanting to bring it back as an event thing but on top of that your man that plays eric carter is uh, currently in a play and also has to try and finish off his storyline one way or another on walking dead so He's he's pretty much unavailable. That's the biggest problem that they've got with it at the moment. It's a bit. That's a bit of a strange situation where he gets his role on Walking Dead, which I think he got introduced season six, I think, and we've we're on we're coming up to season eight. So he gets the role on you know a massive US show, and it, although he's not like one of the bigger characters, it's still good for him to to be on that because he's he's on the same level as like a Terra or like a Father yeah. Gabriel type character. So it's he's st- he was still would have got plenty of screen time. I mean, him and Terra got their whole episode together. Um, yeah. Last last season, I kind of like what you said when like if Fox asks you to be the leading man on Twenty Four, the the new reboot, and asks you to. Uh, you know, take Kiefer Sutherland or Jack Bauer's shoes, essentially, you're you're pretty much going to take that because although you're on this yeah. great show, The Walking Dead, you've been offered the lead role on yeah. a, a, another big show. I was a bit surprised about this Broadway thing. I think maybe for him it was sort of like, because we spoke a few times on our podcast and said that uh, either if 24, I guess he got a second season, he wouldn't come back to Walking Dead. If Designated Survivor got a second season, which it did, then there's no way Kiefer could come back. So it was either like, to me, it was either he would have gone back to Walking Dead or back to 24 for, for this next, let's say, like the next year. Yeah. Um, and in this Broadway thing, I was like, well, what's he doing Broadway? Well, Unless it was just like, I don't know. My, my guess is that, see, usually what happens with a network show, with a big show, is you'll sign a contract. For example, like, you know, when people like Patrick Stewart were signed up onto um, Star Trek Next Generation, for example, Mm-hmm. they sign contracts for seven years because it's a big network show and it's, you know, 22 episode seasons and they will sign them into those contracts because 24 Legacy was only ever bought in as an event series. He probably wasn't locked down into another contract. Therefore, yeah. if a Broadway show comes up and is an interesting enough part, he, he needs to work. He needs to earn money. So, you know, yeah, he needs to yeah. work. So, you know, that's why he goes and does it. The problem is that now they're going, oh, well, we want to bring it back. <laughs> they've got to work yeah. around whatever else he's doing. And the problem yeah. is that they, if they've not locked him in for multiple seasons, that that's, he's that's free just to the, work. Yeah, yeah, he's free to do whatever he likes. So I don't blame him for it. It's entirely, no, no, no. you know, it's entirely what, you know, it's, he's a jobbing actor. That's what they do. Mm. Um, I, it sounds very much like they, they're very interested. Fox are looking to bring both those shows back, just not immediately. That seems to be the case. See, it's interesting because we've seen, because uh, what, 24 finished two, three weeks ago? Yeah. Um, so we've seen how we could get a second season, whereas with Prison Break, we haven't seen the end of this fifth season yet. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting, like, because they're saying, like, 
basically they're saying we're still interested in these two properties we'll bring them back but just not quite yet uh once we have like a stable idea that's kind of what it seems like yeah um so it'd be interesting to see how the what the season finale of prison, prison breakers, breakers like this yeah, year. yeah 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 the, the whole season this year of prison break has been a bit of an odd thing it's not it's not been a bad show or anything it's just been no, very sort of i'm enjoying it so yeah. far yeah, I, I like the idea that the they basically made it so the entire city, you know, that entire kind of area is basically the prison for them, you know. Mm. Um, so I, I quite like yeah, that. It's like surrounded with, with yeah. these other guys that are, that are yeah. chasing them down. So, so yeah, two other shows that won't be coming back, which are Fox shows, uh, Screen Queens and Shots Fired. I mean, Shots Fired technically was always supposed to be an event series, but uh, didn't get particularly high ratings, so that's not going to be coming back. And I know we've just said ratings aren't the be-all and end-all, but I, you know, I, I think with with some things they'll look at it, you know, make the decision. So that's not mm. coming back. Stream Queens again has consistently been doing quite badly, and uh, it's not particularly highly rated. No, not really talked about much either. No, from, so from uh, which you know, and that does make a difference as well. So mm. you know, that's not coming back. I mean, if you if you can. Scream and Scream Queens, which you know, have very similar yeah. titles. You know, I only saw the pilot episode of Scream Queens, and it was a bit like a sort of if you take Scream, have kind of a similar plot, but make it funny when right. someone dies, or yeah, make yeah. it. It's basically a silly version of Scream. Yeah. So, I mean, Scream is a like series, like that's a series that at least tries to make you care a bit more about the characters. Um, yeah, like you, you get some, you get some deaths that aren't quite as silly or or sort of weird. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised that Scream Queens has got cancelled. Really. Yeah, yeah. They've also brought Arrest, Arrested Development back for a fifth season, mm-hmm. which is is fine. I mean, I I do hope that the fifth season is better than the fourth because the fourth season on Netflix had funny moments, but was nowhere near up to the quality of the. First three so i'm hoping that they get a bit back on track with the fifth season of that mm. i remember when i finished uh it was masters of none and there was another comedy earlier this year that i finished i can't remember which one it was but each time you know after you finish a, like a series on netflix yeah. and it doesn't it can't say like next episode it was like oh rest of development wink wink you should watch this yeah <laughs> like netflix recommends you watch this so uh yeah, they've they've shown it to me a lot of times. Um, <laughs> well, like you know, when you load Netflix and it has a spotlight thing, yeah, yeah, it's come up on there quite a few times. Have you so, actually um, got to watch it though? I haven't. I haven't clicked play. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should. You should do. They're yeah. usually quite no, accurate. That's. I just haven't. Yeah. Uh, first, first play, three, yeah. first three seasons of brilliant well-crafted bits of tv fourth season not quite so much i don't think but um we'll see what happens with the fifth is this a netflix original series no it, 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 uh... fourth fourth season was a netflix original i can't remember what it went out on before but uh yeah fourth season is a netflix original okay. um, so the first three weren't but fourth season was also officially coming back is roseanne which i think we've talked about on here before uh which is the 90s sitcom which i'm i'm guessing you've never seen an episode of roseanne no um no. i mean i know this show fairly well spawned various different people from sarah chalk from scrubs johnny galecki from big bang theory started on there john goodman it's where he got his the uh, movie actor it's where he got his start on tv uh, and Joss Whedon, of course, started. That's where he first started writing. Okay, for TV. was that his first thing? Yes, that was that was pretty much. I mean, it might not have been his very first thing, but that's certainly where he really got his foot in the door. Was on Roseanne. 
I, I'm sort of happy they're bringing it back. It will be uh, interesting to see whether it works. They're only coming out for set 10 episodes. I'm sure somebody out here will pick it up. But uh, I mean, it's it's about sort of every average American family living kind of hand to mouth. But it, you know, it's, it's quite a fun comedy show that. Moving on to other new shows. This one was really interesting. Netflix announced that they're going to make a Witcher TV series. Awesome. <laughs> um, I, I, I've thought about this every other day since it got announced and I don't see how they can get this wrong yeah I, I think it's it's just got everything going for it I mean the the interesting thing of course is that they've already proved that you can make compelling stories with it because they've made three very very successful video games out of it so uh, the TV series is going to be based off the original novels, centres on a group of witches, which are hunters who develop supernatural abilities at a young age to battle deadly monsters, for those of you that don't know the games. The books have been New York Times best-selling. They've spawned major video game franchises. It's been translated into over 20 languages. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant world to play around with. I'm glad it's Netflix that are doing it because it needed to be Netflix or HBO yeah, or yeah. somebody. It wouldn't work yeah. on like ABC or Fox or something like that. So. No, it, it needed to be somebody that can have the ability to make it as adult as they want. I think, you know, so you can you can be as violent as you like. You can throw in whatever you want to it. And so it needed to be either on a cable network. I mean, you know, it needed to be on HBO or Stars or Netflix. So I, I think this is the, the perfect place for it. It's interesting because they've got a couple of shows coming up which are, are going to be very big sort of fantasy shows or very big sci-fi shows because they've got this coming up they've got altered carbon which is a huge sci-fi thing that they've got coming i'm very much looking forward to this i think this this could be a massive thing for them whether it ends up being netflix's game of thrones i don't know but uh i think it will i've really got like a lot of hopes for this yeah um i mean it depends who they cast and stuff and like what exactly the storyline is because i read i read this somewhere else and then you posted it shortly after and like i read the title twice and then sort of read a bit about it and i was just like smiling for five minutes after and i thought i can't believe this is happening because if you you take all the video game films that have been made that haven't been very successful things like uh mm. what we had like assassin's creed ratchet and clank i think there was a mortal Kombat film there was a hitman <laughs> yes. film none of those really did anything um so maybe a netflix tv series is the way to go in terms of plus, a screen adaption so. yeah and plus you have to bear in mind that i mean the the video games are based off the novels and the tv series is also going to be based off the novels it's not necessarily based off the video game so it's mm. not like i think in a lot of cases where the video game stuff has failed it's because it's been an adaptation of a video game it's not been an adaptation of a novel which has that extra depth that you can get into, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think this is has a lot of potential. It's already got quite a large built-in audience because of the video games. So, you know, there's people yeah. that know the characters and know some of the stories. So I, I think, yeah, this, this could be really, really good. I'm looking forward to this. Don't know when it's going to be coming out yet, but um, mm. hugely looking forward to that. I think it could be fantastic. 
Um, if you're if you're a gamer and you haven't got this yet, go and get the Game of the Year edition and then thank me in about two years. <laughs> yes, because yeah. it will take you a while to play this game. So yeah, particularly if you've not as well. if you've not played any of them yet, yeah, then yeah, it's starting at The Witcher One and going to The Witcher Three, you've got probably about four hundred hours of gameplay there. Um, <laughs> sticking with Netflix, they've got another new show coming, which is a prequel to the Jim Henson movie the dark crystal this is the dark crystal age of resistance uh it's a 10 episode fantasy adventure series uh it's a prequel to the groundbreaking 1982 fan favorite the dark crystal takes place many years before the events of the film it's been shot in the uk will star an ensemble of fantastical state-of-the-art creatures created by jim henson's creature shop and uh, the original features conceptual designer because they were very unique kind of um, they weren't like Muppets. They were very unique looking creature models that they had for the Dark Crystal. So I think this is um, this is quite kind of really interesting. It's uh, Louis Letera, who is the director of Now You See Me and The Incredible Hulk. Uh, he's exec producing the series and directing. You've got Jeffrey Addis and Will Mathers, who wrote Year in the Life. They're, they're part of the writers. And uh, Javier Grillo Marxius. He's one of the writers on Lost in the 100, so he's also writing it. Um, have you seen the Dark Crystal film? I don't know whether it's one you may have seen I've as a child. i this, and I don't quite know what it is. So, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, it was... Dark Crystal was a... A, a movie that came out in the 80s it was a mixture of live action and puppetry that they they used uh, as i say not kind of muppet level not comedy it was done as kind of drama basically i i think it's it's sounding like it could be quite interesting i i'm looking forward to that i know they got a fairly solid reaction when i posted it online so it's gonna be 10 episodes long it starts shooting in the autumn so that probably means it's gonna be out some point next year that so that's dark crystal prequel series called dark crystal age of resistance there was another show which popped up as well which is new and kind of got skipped over with every all the other renewals and stuff that was coming out daniel radcliffe and owen wilson are start starring in a new tv series called miracle workers the first series it's actually an anthology series the first season is a workplace comedy set in heaven it's created by a guy called simon rich who was one of the writers on uh, snl and inside out and uh, man seeks woman shows based on a book named what in god's name it sees radcliffe playing craig who is a lowly angel responsible for the handling of all humanity's prayers well wilson plays his boss aka god so uh he's pretty much god has basically lost interest in guiding humanity and men and spend most of his time doing his favorite hobbies to prevent earth destruction craig must achieve his most impossible miracle to date it's given a straight to series order by uh, the us network tbs of seven episodes due to land some point next year i i really like the sound of this and there's two very high profile actors to uh, put into a, a TV show as well. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, it sounds interesting. I'll, it'd be one of those things to check out a trailer before I, you know, see if I'm gonna gonna watch this sort of thing. But yeah, two really good actors in Daniel Radcliffe and Owen Wilson. So yeah, they got that going. Yeah, yeah. So I think that looks quite good. And uh, last bit of news we've got is um, Supernatural is getting a Scooby-Doo crossover. As you were reading the previous story and I was scrolling down to see what the next one was, I I, I, I had to hold in some laughter because <laughs> uh, you were reading the, the thing and I was like, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the reaction for this has, has been very, well, I mean, 
overwhelmingly positive certainly when i posted this onto facebook there's an awful lot of people going we are so watching this this sounds brilliant few comments going okay uh, <laughs> fine yeah uh, and a couple of people going oh this show's jumped the shark and i i disagree entirely with that last statement because anybody that says that supernatural is is kind of oh it's gone too far it's it's jumped the shark you're talking about a show which they've had things like an episode called Patman fever which saw them trapped in a video game they've had the monster at the end of this book where they discover there is a book series called supernatural about two hunters called sam and dean and and the the fandom of the supernatural <laughs> book has been something which has gone on throughout the show they're changing channels where they were trapped in a soap called Dr. Sexy MD. And they had a episode called The French Mistake, which completely smashed the fourth wall of television and put the pair of them in an alternative reality where they were playing actors on a show called Supernatural and the actors were, were named Jared Padaletti and uh, Jensen Eccles. <laughs> so, I mean... they are known for doing this sort of thing on the show and you know if you can if you can get away with stuff like that already and this is stuff that's happened seasons ago nothing is going to make this show jump the shark i don't think and so the fact that they're doing a scooby-doo crossover nothing nothing is going to turn the viewers off no no nothing is going to turn people away from this the fact that they're doing they're doing a scooby-doo crossover they're going to be animated in it i mean supernatural has been known as scooby-doo for adults uh i've heard it referenced to that before so uh you know and and it kind of is you know i it's it's the two guys solving mysteries i'm a huge fan of the show i think this is going to be awesome see them animated actually in a sort of scooby-doo style i yeah i'm completely sold totally totally on board i mean Um, i've not watched the show uh much in fact i've only seen the pilot but this episode does sound particularly funny and interesting so yeah yeah i'll I'll check out this episode yeah supernatural is one of those shows the first season was a a little bit stayed in trying to find its its feet but once you get through the first season i just it's it's just joyous show to watch because they take it to all sorts of completely bizarre places and you just go with it it's just amazing so uh yeah of course supernatural getting a scooby-doo crossover of course i'm i'm completely sold with that (laughs) um so that's everything for the news this week next up we have an interview when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The interview this week is with composer Nathan Barr. Nate is 
an Emmy-nominated composer behind such shows as The Americans. He worked on AMC's The Sun, starring Pierce Brosnan. Amazon's con-man drama Sneaky Pete was also one of his. He also worked on Hemlock Grove for Netflix and True Blood as well. This is the second time we've interviewed Nate, so we catch up on the stuff that he's been working on more recently, and uh, he's also quite well known for having a weird and wonderful collection of instruments, so we talk a bit about that. He's really is one of the nicest guys you can talk to in the composing industry in Hollywood. I really enjoyed talking to him. So here's the interview. It's about 20 minutes. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week. Hi, Dave. Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Great. Nice to be talking to you again. It's It's been yeah. about three and a half years, I think, since last time yeah, we spoke. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's been quite a while. Good to be talking to you, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get. To, I don't think we had video last time. I get to see your studio. There's some amazing yeah. things in the background. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of different weird instruments and cellos and a lot more over a uh, lot of guitars over there, harpsichord over here and hurdy-gurdies and weird <laughs> string things and yeah, wow. a lot of different stuff. That's and I'm actually cool. I'm just I'm just building a studio right now with a scoring stage down in Reseda, which will be able to accommodate about a 50 piece orchestra. And uh, I'm putting on, on that stage, I'm putting a very famous uh, musical instrument from film music history. It was the Wurlitzer Theater Organ built for the Fox scoring stage in, wow. uh, in 1928. Yeah, yeah. I was going yeah. to ask about that because I think yeah. you'd I think you possibly just bought it last time we spoke. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So, so your restoration is almost done after th- three, four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I, I was going to ask you yeah, where, where you were at with that, but uh, but that's cool. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that's that's going somewhere because that's going to be yeah. an amazing bit of history to keep. It really is. It really is. And, and uh, I, I really, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing it get back into film and TV where it belongs and sharing it with the world. I think it's, it's going to be such an amazing instrument. The restoration process, as they've been building, has just been amazing. They've just sort of realized... <laughs> as they've gone through the instrument, thousands of pieces of the instrument, just what a spectacularly made instrument it is. Wow. So it's really exciting. <laughs> the only problem is now, though, every time a project comes up, you'll be going, you know what will work here? A Wurlitzer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sneaking it in wherever I can, even if it doesn't sound like an organ, even if it's just like a single low pedal tone, I'll get it into everything I do. <laughs> and hopefully I won't be blacklisted for it. <laughs> uh, It'll be awesome. <laughs> I will be listening out for it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The projects, obviously, you're best known for uh, True Blood, The Americans, uh, Sneaky Pete, which you picked up since last time we spoke, uh, Hemlock Grave as well. You've yes. been doing uh, The Sun, which we'll talk about in a minute as well, because that looks really yeah. interesting. So, uh, yeah, The Americans is what, f- season five? Five, five yeah. is the next one? Yeah, we, yep. I think. We're, we're getting it. Is, is it running in America now, I think, or coming it, uh, soon? It, it just started a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. We're, we're getting it late spring, early summer over here. So we've, right. we've got a little bit to wait yet. Well over there. Uh, it's it's ba- it's been interesting. It's been bounced around quite a bit. Uh, it was on ITV, and then then like it went on to Amazon for a bit, and then it kind of ITV have got it back again on one of their their other channels. So it's oh. it's been kind of backwards and forwards. But yeah, I mean it's it's a great series, a very yeah. time ty- very timely series at the moment. I guess. Hilarious, yeah, it's unbelievable. None of us can believe that. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's funny because whenever I talk to any composers I, and I ask them the question. 
what shows do you you know love the music in and uh, who are your favorite other tv composers two people that always come up are sean and you sean callery oh. and you <laughs> so really not, not to stroke your ego too much but <laughs> oh, and I, I mean honestly the biggest compliment there is being in the same company with sean because i just adore <laughs> and his work he's just such a good guy yeah i i interviewed yeah. sean a while back but yeah he's he's such a nice bloke and uh, yeah. it's sean for homeland and, and your stuff on the americans are the two things that seem to come up quite a lot uh but it it is i mean the theme particularly on that show i i love i think it's it's just brilliant but yeah i mean you're you're known as we can see from your studio you've you've got a, a lovely collection of of weird and wonderful instruments um what do you think the strangest thing is that you've picked up i mean one of the strangest things is right here that's a human femur <laughs> uh, and it's from I, I I don't know where it's from. It's from China or Tibet or something like that. And uh, it's uh, it's clad in sort of silver here and here. It's capped off. Yeah, yeah. It has, see, it's like a. It's supposed to be a trumpet. I've had many uh, people up who've tried to play it who play trumpet and they can't get a sound out of it. So I think it's more <laughs> of an ornamentation thing. But apparently uh, it's something that is done over there uh, with with some of the monks, you know, that they're they have some portion of their bodies made into uh, some sort of relic after they're gone. Um, I've heard of like skull cap percussion instruments and then these these femur bone trumpets. So that's one of the weirdest things. Uh, and then I have a whole bunch of automatic musical instruments that are quite strange and unusual um, and the collection's always growing. Like one of the one of the things uh, I'm I'm uh, getting in addition to that Wurlitzer is uh, an instrument called a shaker chime. Uh, it was made by Deegan in 1890, and I'm just having it restored right now. And that's that's quite an unusual instrument, especially this particular set. It's uh, it's it's uh, hard to describe the sound. Someone would almost hear it like a steel drum or um, chimes, and they're they're these these. Um, things that swing off a rod and you shake them and they make sort of a chimey sound and it's really unusual cool instrument so that's that's pretty out there that's excellent i like yeah i, yeah, I like that uh, that sounds very cool um so i mean you've got quite a wide variety of shows you're working across these days as well i mean you know you you started off true blood you were quite well known for and that's kind of horror based and hemlock grove was kind of horror based and then you end up on the americans which is Kind of historical drama, I guess, uh, yeah. I suppose, because it's right. 80s set. So, you know, you've got that. Uh, then Sneaky Pete comes along, which is is an amazing show. Um, Good, I'm glad you like it. I, I adore that show. I'm, I'm still only about halfway through the first season at the moment, uh, and I'm desperately trying to get back to it. I just tried to find the time. But, um, yeah, I, I adore that show, and we've been talking about it a lot on the podcast because I've mentioned it, and then the co-hosts have gone off and watched it and come back and gone, it's brilliant, I love that show. So, <laughs> so it's great. So where did you start for the music for that? Because that's sort of set modern day. Yeah. That that was a really interesting one. Um, I'm trying to remember how that even came to me. But basically, they were looking. So it started off as a show at CBS, uh, and then CBS passed on it, as you probably know. And yeah. then Amazon picked it up and retooled it, and uh, it became something quite different than I think it probably ever would have been on CBS. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so so that was exciting to become involved. And so they were. I think they went through a couple composers on the way to to finding me. And um, my longtime assistant, uh, a guy named Stephen Lukacs, 
he and I really did it together. Uh, we had such a great time. We were looking for something we could collaborate on together. And so when we took a look at the show, uh, just the look of it and the pace of it and the, the style had a feeling that was a bit more contemporary than a lot of the stuff I've done. And so that's kind of where it started. And so we wrote a six-minute uh, demo, a scene together, uh, and that's what landed the gig. That's what got us the gig. They really liked sort of it. They felt it had a fresh contemporary sound in a way that they were looking for. So, yeah. What sort of instruments did you start with with that? Because uh, you, you're a cellist by sort of, yeah, that, that seems to be the thing that you kind yeah. of go for more than anything else. W- was it cello or were you, you uh, was it something no, else? It was, I mean, maybe there was a little cello in there. It was definitely one of those things where I tried and wanted to, one of the instruments I use a lot is a toga. It's a bowed guitar. I use it a lot right. in the Americans and through True Blood. And I, at some point, you want to like try and depart a little bit from the sound you're known for. Yeah. And so I tried to say, okay, let's do a show where I don't actually pick that up for the entire season. <laughs> and I think I managed to do that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think it was really about uh, basses and guitar, upright bass, uh, um, electric bass, guitars, uh, percussion, um, just sort of like back to basics in terms of like a rock and roll band kind of thing, even though it's not really a rock and roll sound. And then a lot of synth too, which is kind of new for me or, or, uh, created synth sounds. Like I was like, instead of working with a synth on my computer, I would rather record something and then manipulate it with plugins and stuff to turn it into a synth, synth sound kind of thing. And so that's kind of where that came from. And then the theme, uh, yeah, the, the themes and sort of main sounds, they all, they were all in that first demo we did. So it was really um, fortunate that, that we sort of landed on a bunch of things that the producers really responded to. That's very cool. Um, you mentioned there about using sense and stuff. Do you tend to, you tend to go more towards physical instruments rather than the, the synth side? Why, why do you prefer doing it that way around i just like picking up an actual instrument and 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 i find that there's much more room for error in terms of playing an actual instrument and out of error often great things come and if i'm just sitting on a computer and i'm what what am i going to do slip on the mouse and hit another (laughs) button accidentally you know like for me there's more excitement in the possibility of error leading to something if i'm playing an instrument yeah and that's kind of where it's all about and then also if, if i'm using a sample library i am limited by whatever the imagination of the person recording that library on that day you know was working with yeah. and, and uh you know oftentimes you know um just slapping you know play, you're playing an upright bass part and you just decide to play a little bit of percussion on the body and that has a really cool sound to it and it's very immediate and in the moment and it becomes something unique yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you've got a collection of instruments like yours, I guess you know why. Why would you go to a synth first? <laughs> yeah, if I can avoid it, I, I like I like focusing more on that side of things. But there's definitely some great synths we used in Sneaky Pete. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the sort of area that you you live in in LA. You're surrounded by other composers because uh, yes. there's kind of a junter that live on the yes. hillside up there. Um, yeah. Do you end up kind of do the, Do you find that the other guys come over and try to sort of borrow some of your instruments do you end up trading stuff between between each other we don't really but we definitely trade stories and ideas and thoughts about working in the business there's actually a junto in topanga 
four composers, <laughs> yeah. four film composer composers that you've probably heard of. It sounds yeah. like you maybe have. Yeah. And that probably has, you know, 15 to 20 composers in it. So I think the, the extent of it is that, you know, people can get together and share their horror stories or their successes as they as they happen. And that's been a really great thing started by a guy named Andrew Gross, composer named Andrew Gross. And it's it's turned into a really wonderful sort of local way to, to stay in touch with people. But I mean, literally, I could throw a stone this way and hit uh, Dan Licht, the composer of yeah. Dexter. Yeah, and I throw a stone that way and hit uh, like a Russ Landau or, or you know, who did uh, I guess he did uh, Survivor or something. But right. anyhow, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, they're everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> I have yet to look out my studio window and see a composer over the fence <laughs> listening to the, you know. <laughs> What's he doing this week? <laughs> yeah, I I think it's great that you have this little kind of creative community up there. That you know, I think that's that's absolutely fantastic. One of the other things you did for the Americans was you worked with Pete Townsend as well yes. from the Who. How how was that, and how did that come about? That was amazing. That was that was just like one of those things where uh, so the producers for season two had an idea to sort of introduce the idea of collaborations outside of the team uh, in many aspects of the show, and music was one of those. And so uh, the, our music supervisor PJ Bloom. Uh, and us, we all discussed, okay, who are some musicians we could reach out to? And we came up with an A-list of musicians and reached out to them. And Pete Townsend was one of the first ones to respond that he really loved the show and he really loved my music in the show. And so he was really interested. And so um, we hopped on the phone uh, and uh, he was really excited to do it. So I wrote basically two tracks that were in the sound of the show score, but that could be um, – sung over guitar or whatever and I sent them via Dropbox to Pete and uh, he a week later emailed and said uh, check your folder and I went in the folder and he had put down guitar tracks and vocal tracks and written lyrics and it was just amazing <laughs> so this one track that I wrote he really responded to um, and so that was really kind of amazing I mean amazing of course yeah. and then took those tracks into my studio here and just pull up the faders and start to hear Pete Townsend's guitar on a track that I'd written it's, I mean it was it was surreal it was wonderful so so, uh, so yeah, then I took the tracks and, and organized them in such a way over that scene that they really fit into the scene well, chopped it up, and, and Pete's so busy, like, we got one pass at it, and then I sort of had to take it and weave it in and out of the scene and turn it into something that, that worked well for the scene. But, yeah. Uh, it, oh, it was brilliant. He's such a, he was a genuinely wonderful collaborator. We stayed in touch, and, uh, you know, just a, you know, a very humble guy in his own way. Yeah. Really pretty amazing. And then we had we had lunch in London later that year, and that was that was pretty extraordinary too. Oh, cool, <laughs> cool, cool. So, so yeah. maybe more coming up at, at some point if you could. Yeah, uh, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. that'd be very yeah. cool. Yeah. The new show that you've been working on it's called The Sun. It's yes. it's kind of uh, stars Pierce Brosnan set in 1800s Wild West Texas. So yeah. really quite divergent from anything else you've done before um, yeah. where, where, how did that come to you and, and where do you start with that uh, I think that came to me through my agent I was just one of the composers that that he suggested and they really they knew my work and really liked it and were willing to meet with me and so um, I read the script and I was really blown away by the script and I went in and met with them all and kind of pitched them what my approach would be and part of what my approach was they there was some on-camera vocal stuff happening in a party scene in, in uh, episode one. And uh, there's a wonderful um, sort of Americana 
fiddle player, vocalist named Frank Fairfield, who I got to know through some friends and I've been to see, see him many times perform. So I pitched him to them as well as an idea and actually working his voice into the score. And they really liked that idea. And as it turns out, Frank became a pretty major part of the score and, and then also did those songs. And so, yeah, it was really, they weren't looking for standard Western fare at all. They were looking yeah. sort of to depart from that. So it really became about something that was in, in my wheelhouse in, in terms of unusual instruments but, um, you know, fit, fit the story that was being told. And it's a super dark, amazing story. Pierce Brosnan, I just think he's great in it. Yeah. Um, it, it goes, it, it sort of bounces back and forth between 1800s and 1900s. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And it's really, it's, I think it's wonderful. So I think it's really, I, I grew very attached to the show during the course of working on it. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that had another wonderful collaboration too. Um, I worked with Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Oh, wow. uh, he came in, yeah, he came in and laid down vocals um, in the last episode on a song that I arranged. And we had a great, great time doing that. So it's pretty cool. So, yeah, that that's kind of interesting. Did you manage to sneak any? Um, were there any banjos snu- snuck into that? Because you sort of feel like Wild West, that sort of thing should have banjos in it somewhere. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, I think I used it very sparingly, though. We we tried to like stay away from the really the stuff that everyone would expect. Yeah. Uh, uh, even though it's totally uh, natural to expect that. Um, so yeah, like I I worked in a Swedish bowed instrument called a nickel harpa, uh, which is right here. Um, you know, so this you would not find in the Wild West at all. <laughs> wow. And yet, and yet it has a really amazing sound. So that became a pretty central instrument. It's, it's a keyed fiddle, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like a, it's, it's kind of a, a almost violin shaped with, uh, with keys across the bottom, which is kind exactly. of interesting. The design is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Um, and it gets bowed and it's got a really kind of amazing sound. So I use that quite a bit. That's very uh, cool. Yeah. So it, it was sort of like, how do, how do we take some unusual instruments and create the musical world of this thing without being too on the nose about it? And yeah. that, that, that was something that everyone really responded to. So Yeah, that's very cool. As, as I said, one of the questions that I do ask composers when I'm talking to them is, what music do you like from other TV shows? So. Right. Given that half of them say you, uh, what, what what music do you like in other people's shows? Yeah, I mean, there, I think there are a couple uh, for sure. One of my dear friends is a composer named Matt Quayle. Mm. And I think Mac, you know, to Mr. Robot. And, yeah, Mac, I think, is doing some really interesting, cool stuff. I, yeah. love, I, love, I love his approach to things. It feels very fresh. Um, Sean, too. I love Sean's stuff. I, I was listening to it long before I had a TV career myself. Uh, <laughs> And I really, I really admire his stuff a lot. Um, I think, um, uh, let me think. Um, I mean, Game of Thrones, some of Ramin's stuff is really cool. Um, Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Dave Porter's stuff, Breaking Bad. And, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's really cool stuff. Um, I mean, there, there are a whole bunch of composers right now, as, as you know, and TV shows that are really taking tv beyond anything we defined as tv 10 years ago or 15 years ago and it's really exciting to be a part of that um that movement that's sort of happening for everyone in all departments yeah yeah seeing that gravitation from the film world over to the tv world and 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 uh still happens the other way around too but it's just people are, are really starting to plug into the fact that oh my god like if you have a really intriguing story with a bunch of amazing characters who wouldn't want to watch 10, 20, 30 hours of that versus 90 minutes? I mean, yeah. it's like a no-brainer, you know? Mm, yeah. And if you 
keep someone coming back week after week for years. I mean, that's an extraordinary story that you're telling. Yeah. I mean, we've, yeah, we've, we've talked about, about this, uh, uh, you know, the, the change in just the TV landscape in the past, even, you know, 10 years, like you say, the idea of getting Anthony Hopkins on a TV show like Westworld Mm -hmm. uh, 10 years ago, I, I wouldn't have seen that happening. And now you've got people like Robert De Niro doing a show for Amazon or, or Amy Adams, I think has just got a TV, you know, he's just going into a TV show. Yes. And it's, it's just like, I remember hearing a Danny Boyle interview and he was saying that like things are opposite of what they should be right now. Typically, film was always the place storytellers went to really stretch the limits and push the boundaries. And and now that's really happening on TV. And yeah. it's, hard, it's harder to get a film like that made uh, at a studio level. Um, that, that was Those were his thoughts. And I, I totally relate to that. And I think that's part of the reason people are gravitating. Yeah. I mean, just some of the TV that's coming out right now is insane. I mean, you know, Westworld was fairly out there in places, but Legion is a show that I don't know whether you've... Is it good? I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. It's utterly, utterly bonkers. Um, (laughs) It's just, I mean, completely... you, it's a show that you're watching and you you kind of feel like you shouldn't be able to follow the plot, but you are. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's completely crazy, um, <laughs> but absolutely magical and uh, not not what you'd think. Uh, uh, you know, it's essentially an X Men spinoff, but I mean, it's it's unlike any other superhero right. thing you've ever seen. It is one of the best things I've seen on TV. It just it's so out there. Oh, it's great. I highly, highly recommend that. But you get shows like that. And I, I think as a as a film, if you tried to put that out as a movie, I think it would be an incredibly difficult sell. Yep. But but yep. as a cable, you know, as a as an FX show, I, I think works incredibly well. Awesome. Yeah. Let's yeah. go check that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant show. So to move on to some slightly more general questions, what's been your most interesting experience you've reckon you've had over your career so far? I mean, there have been so many, um, but I mean, certainly working with Pete Townsend is one of them just because it's, you know, it's like one of those, uh, being a film composer, TV composer is like one of those things where it it can translate into all these areas that you, you don't expect. And that was certainly one of them. That was not something I ever thought would happen when I started on the Americans just because, you know, who knew? And, uh, (laughs) but I think that those kinds of collaborations are amazing uh, when I get to collaborate with other musicians, that's pretty amazing. Um, just the extraordinary, um, I mean, you can just pick up a phone and have like a world-class musician at the studio in, in, you know, an hour in this town. Yeah. So those are, those are always amazing experiences. I mean, still sitting in a theater or sitting down to, uh, opening night of a, a great television show with my music in it. I mean, that's always a really special experience to, to have, um, and then just uh, for me, like being able to work in a career where I can collect all these instruments and just keep making music in unusual ways is, I mean, that that's that's kind of why I do it. It's just so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what music inspires you at the moment? Is there stuff that you're listening to? Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff I'm listening to. I mean, I've kind of gone on this crazy pipe organ. You know, I go through phases. And so I've, I've really, I mean, Bach was always like, my desert island composer one of them and so i've really been listening to a lot of box organ work and i i I never really realized until i did like you can't really know box music unless you know all of his organ works because he was first and foremost an organist and he was a brilliant prodigy of an organist 
And so that's been really inspiring, even if it's not, you know, directly like that ends up in my scores per se. Just hearing what he was able to do on that instrument is really incredible. Um, and I, I listen to a whole variety of stuff. I mean, I listen to I listen to Coldplay. I listen to Chris Thiele, you know, just sort of across across the boards. There's a lot of a lot of cool stuff. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of it. And then uh, but I think as composers also, we're also in a weird position where if we're spending, you know, 12 hours every day writing music after the day, the last thing we want to do, last thing I want to do is, is turn on the stereo and listen to something else. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, I get that. I get that entirely. Um, yeah. Is there another career you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing right now? Not, not that I can think of. I mean, the, the, the people who work in a way that I see that is most appealing and that I understand are like the guy that made the harp, my harpsichord or the guy that made my cello. Yeah. Um, or I, or the guys who are restoring the organ, like that incredible kind of craftsmanship and commitment to the historical aspects of whatever the craft is, that incredible detail, that's really appealing to me. So maybe I'd be doing something like that. I'd probably be, you know, installing pipe organs and <laughs> doing something completely, completely different. But yeah, I love that commitment to craft and that commitment to detail. Like, like for example, with the with the pipe organ, you know there are certain things they're doing as far as restoration goes that only another person coming in and taking something apart would appreciate. Yeah, but that that's the that's their passion and commitment to it. Is uh, is they're even getting to the insides of things and making that look beautiful, even though it has no uh, necessarily um, necessary value yeah. beyond you know the aesthetics yeah. of it. Yeah. What are you doing next? Can you talk about whatever the yeah. Yeah, I just finished. I'm just finishing a movie at MGM on Monday. I'll be done. Uh, The dump starts Monday. It's a movie called The Domestics. Uh, It's with an actress, Kate Bosworth, and an actor, Tyler Hecklin. And uh, it's sort of a a dark, apocalyptic thriller kind of thing. And it's really, it's been really fun. The director is a guy named Mike Nelson. It's his first, uh, first feature. And he shot this really incredible short film and wrote a feature script. And he managed to attract some really wonderful talent. Uh, even beyond the cast uh, to to be a part of it, and uh, it's been a really yeah, it's been a great experience. So that one that that film will be done in about a week and comes out this year. Uh, I have two other films I can't talk about yet, but that are coming up um, for me shortly. And then um, let's see, Americans is coming back for a final season next year. Yeah, uh, I hope the sun gets picked up. Sneaky Pete's coming back for sure next year. And then I'm doing a show called Greenleaf, uh, which Oprah Winfrey is producing and and co-starring in. Oh, okay. uh, that uh may i'm working on that right now as well that may come back next year uh and then um yeah then working on on building the studio and uh yeah so that's a lot on the plate right now yeah busy i think (laughs) yeah busy always the best day to be in that time (laughs) yeah two last questions which we ask everybody um what tv shows are you watching at the moment firstly so the first one uh let's see billions yes great yeah great show I'm watching Billions. Uh, I'm watching Taboo. Oh yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom Hardy show on FX. Yeah, very good. Uh, and I was watching. I'm watching Homeland again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's see. Um, those are the main ones I'm watching right now. Okay. Currently. Cool. Yep. If you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present, or future, which show would it be? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, there's so many great ones out there. Um, I mean, certainly, uh, Game of Thrones would be a really fun one to do. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be one. Um, 
I mean, this this year in terms of the films, like Kubo and the Two Strings, Dario Marinelli's score to that. Right, yeah. That's really wonderful. So that, that was one where I thought, oh, that's really incredible. That, that would have been a fun one to do. Yeah. Just that beautiful stop-motion animation that, that uh, uh, Leica does. And, uh, yeah, so I think those are often totally off the top of my head. Those are the ones that come to mind. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I I shall let you get back to your um, wonderful world of instruments and <laughs> and yeah, uh, have have a have a lovely day. Thank you so much for reaching out. No problem. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. We'll have to try and not make it three and a half years next time. <laughs> when the studio's done, that would be worth a fun. I could give you a video tour of that. That would be brilliant. Yeah, we could do yeah, that. Yeah. Awesome. Great. We'll do that. Okay. Cheers. All right. Take right. care. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Nate Barr. Hope you really enjoyed that. I'm not sure when the American is going to come back yet. We think it's going to be at some point sort of in the summer or late spring. So keep an eye out for that. The Sun you can find on AMC if you want to go looking for that. Now we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Highlights for next week on TV. The Blacklist returns for the third part of its fourth season. I really annoys me that they're splitting things up quite so much at the moment in the US. Yeah, 4C is a bit of a, a new um, thing that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, they, there's a number of shows or that... Part C, yeah. Yeah, the number of shows that seem to have been split up across like three fairly sizable gaps this season. So um, 4C, for third part of, of season four, is back for The Blacklist. That's on the 24th of May at 9pm season 3 of Casual coming to Amazon Prime also on the 24th Bloodlines is back on Netflix on the 26th for its final season uh, third season that is then we've got 12 Monkeys that's back for its third season on the 26th at 9pm on Sci-Fi UK the airing of this is slightly odd though because it's actually airing I think three episodes a night over three days so it, it starts on the 26th which I think is a Friday and it's going to air Friday, Saturday and Sunday you basically if you've got other things in uh, that are kind of recording around that time just double check you're going to be able to record all the episodes mm. but uh yeah. yeah, they apparently did the same thing in the US as well, or are doing the same thing in the US. So, yeah, interesting way of doing it. I'm not entirely sure what inspired this decision, other than they think that it's quite a binge watching show. So they decided that they'd put it all out over a weekend so people can binge watch it, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> we'll help you binge watch it by putting it all on at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I do wonder if more networks may start doing that. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Rather than make, making you wait a week, sort of drop it all out over a week maybe interesting but uh anyway mm. so that's how they're doing it starts on the 26th on sci-fi uk that's 12 monkeys season three uh renewed for one final four season after that as well mercy street which is a new show coming to drama that's on the 28th of may at 8 p.m which is a hospital drama set in the american civil war uh, it's actually going out on uk tv play from the 21st as well so you can find it on streaming then two big shows coming, Handmaiden's Tale, which has finally got a UK broadcaster. That's coming on to Channel 4 on the 28th of May at 9pm. This is uh, Margaret Atwood's dystopian novel about a near-future USA under the grip of a totalitarian theocracy. This looks really good, and it's getting amazing reviews in the US, so going to be one well worth going to see. It looks very, very interesting. Stars uh, Yvonne Stravatsky from uh, Chuck. You've got Alex Bidel from... Um, Gilmore Girls, Elizabeth Moss, Joseph Fiennes. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I think it 
definitely going to be one to watch. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about about the Handmaid's Tale, so yeah. it's pretty good. So yeah, that's that starts uh, Handmaid's Tale season one, channel four on the twenty eighth of May at nine pm for that. And lastly, we've got House of Cards returning for a fifth season on the thirtieth of May to Netflix. One Nation Underwood, which I still think is worth one of my mm-hmm. favourite taglines of the year so far. Yeah, is this the final season? Not necessarily. Not as far as we know so far. Um, they've certainly not said that. So we'll see it may get another season after this mm. I'm sure they'll be interested to make more I suspect that that's going to be one of the shows that's only going to stop when Kevin Spacey decides that he doesn't want to do it anymore I think as far as as far as we know it's going to have more seasons after that so that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to add in um, just wanted to recommend Entertainment Talk which is uh, my one which David joins me for various different things yeah. um, like we did 24 we've got Walking Dead when that comes back in October yeah doing some other things as well that's everything from us this week if you want to find more information throughout the week go to the website at geektown.co.uk to find all the latest air date information latest TV news if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter or on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown or on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.